Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the I Watched It Begin Again edition. As the Bengals emerge from their bye week, looking to climb over 500 for the first time this year as they face the San Francisco 49ers. Coming up, Dave Lapham joins me to discuss a wide variety of topics, including the state of the offensive line, the possibility of trading for a tight end, and what he'll say if he runs into Joe Montana in San Francisco. I'll talk to safety Nick Scott, who faced the 49ers nine times in the last four years, and we'll hear from Brian Callahan on jump-starting the Bengals offense after the bye. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since fall golf. My golf season basically ends when Bengals training camp begins, but I had the opportunity to play this weekend because of the bye, and I was reminded of how enjoyable it is to play this time of the year. The fall foliage was spectacular, as the leaves were various shades of yellow, orange, red, green, and brown. The course was mostly empty since a lot of people put their clubs away after Labor Day and the temperature was cool but comfortable. The only negative was my play from the 13th hole on. For the first 12 holes, I was a stud. For the last six, I was a dud. Now, let's get to football, beginning with my conversation with Dave Lapham. Lap, now that Joe Burrow is fully healthy or at least close to it, do you expect the offense to take off? I do. You know, I think it, it uh, maybe not right away, but I do think that it'll, it'll ramp up fairly quickly. Um, and it's a ripple effect. With Joe being able to move around, I mean, the protection will be better. Uh, defenses will have to honor more things. And honestly, it'll help the running game because right now people are crowding the line of scrimmage. You know, they don't feel like the Bengals are going to attack the deep coordinates of the football field, and every time they take the field, it's like they're in the red zone or the low red zone, it seems like. So um, I think a healthy, close to 100% Joe Burrow is going to make a huge difference, a big ripple effect, I think, offensively. Are there other significant issues, though, that haven't been talked about much because we've all been so focused on Joe's calf? Yeah, I mean, I can the running game be better? Heck Yeah. I mean, there's no question. I was looking at it during the bye week, and they're being outrushed by 73 yards. That's the worst in the league. Mm. Teams outrushing uh, an opponent. Their average per carry, the efficiency part of it, they're minus a yard and a half, worst in the league. So, you know, the numbers don't lie. I mean, the running game hasn't been there. The efficiency of the running game hasn't been there. They're going to have to, you know, make it at least something that defenses have to consider. You know, it, it's uh, it's going to have to pick up the pick up the pace there as such. And whether it's tweaking a schematic or evaluating what you're doing, how you're doing it, with whom you're doing it, um, that's what the bye week was all about. That's what you, you spend time doing those kind of things for. So hopefully, uh, they 
obviously got that their due diligence done there, and we'll see what the outcome is. Along those lines, Brian Callahan discussed the possibility of having Burrow under center more now that his calf is better. Do you think that would significantly help the running game? I think, yeah, I think that that is a uh, that that's definitely a factor. I, I, probably they've been under center half a dozen times mm-hmm. in the first six games. I mean, it's crazy. Um, I think that that will at least give the defense something else to think about. And plus, I think the play-action game would be much more effective that way too if, in fact, you do show that you're you know, serious about running the football when Joe's under center. It can't be an automatic tell. It can't be like every time he's under center running the football and every time he's in the shotgun he's throwing the football. I mean, peewee football coaches would jump on that pretty quickly. So, um, But having a mix and, and being able to have more than one thing uh, for a defense to think about and, and prepare for, I think, is, a, is an advantage. I checked out pro football focus grades through six games this season. Four of the five starting offensive linemen have grades in the 60s, which is okay. Not great, not bad. The one exception is Cordell Volson with a grade of 48.2. His pass blocking grade is 23.5. How much of that is due to the guys that he's faced, and how much of that is his level of play? I think it's uh, it's it's starts with who he's faced, and a young player, and he's still a young player. You know, when when you're going against guys that are that good, you start to question yourself. You know, it's like, man, all of a sudden it's like, am I doing the right thing? And and then you, um, I, I've been there, <laughs> where you watch tape and it's like, man, did I really do that? You don't even realize you're doing it. it it's almost like fight or flight time. So you're not going to fly, flight, you're going to fight. And when you get overly aggressive and forget about your techniques and it's like, all right, well, he whipped my butt. I'm going to go kick his butt right now. Well, you can't throw out, you know, what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be doing it. And, and it, 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 it's, not, it's not super obvious, but all it, all it is is a little bit more of a lean when you're trying to be a little bit more aggressive or get your hands on a guy sooner. You know, that, that's, the, that's the panic mode I remember is like, all right, well, I'm going to get my – when I could use my hands, when they finally liberalize it, I'm going to get my hands on the guy. Sometimes, you know, when you're trying too hard to get your hands on a player who's that elusive and, and can combine speed with power and, and uh, you know, have quickness and short space quickness and all that, everything that goes along with it, those guys are hard to block. And, and um, so I think, I think that's – his biggest issue and that's the thing with pro football focus that I've said over and over again they don't factor any of that in you know there's no learn there's no grading curve on that you know so it's it's like if you if you play against the number one interior uh, defensive lineman in the league and Aaron Donald and he's 1A and Simmons is 1B and you get him back to back weeks that's an adventure and you know that's that's something that uh, is can be hard to deal with I think the buy will do him good. Get away from it for a while, you know, clear your head, uh, come back with an idea that I'm going to start, I'm going to start from square one again, and I'm going to do the building blocks, and I'm going to get in, in my uh, routine of exactly what I have to do step by step from a fundamentals and technique standpoint, and I'm going to I'm going to block my ass off for the last 11 games of the season. Orlando Brown Jr. hurt his groin in the Tennessee game, played through it played the next game against Arizona, and then early in the most recent game against Seattle, he tweaked it and sat out the rest of the game. Were you surprised that Cody Ford was the guy that took his place at left tackle? You know, 
I didn't have an idea that that's where they were. That's where they were, you know, putting their two deeps. Um, but from watching him, remembering how he played at the college level, you know, I guess not really. I mean, he came out of Oklahoma as a pretty highly graded tackle, I mean, second round pick, mm-hmm. higher pick than Orlando Brown was coming out of Oklahoma. So Orlando didn't have the greatest pro day. Um, but yeah, Cody Ford, uh, he he has he has some abilities. He has some natural power. I mean, he's a very physical dude. Um, and I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. I thought he did a darn good job in there when he when he went in there for for Orlando Brown. Um, so it, it's the National Football League. If you show up and you you show that you're the guy on a on a more consistent snap by snap basis, and the coaches start to gain some confidence in what they're seeing, you're going to get your shot. And he got a shot, and he was ready take advantage of his opportunity and that's you know that's a credit to him as well you never know what's going to happen and you don't think it's going to be with Orlando Brown necessarily mm-hmm. and and he went out there and just kept his composure kept his poise and executed his assignments Orlando Brown Jr. by the way says he will play this week at San Francisco let's turn to tight end Irv Smith Jr. has been dealing with a hamstring injury he's only played in four out of the six games it's unfair to make a, a determination on his status uh, in terms of you know whether it's a good signing or a bad signing, whatever. But it is fair to say he has not produced uh, much in the four games that he's played in. Are you wondering if he is a good fit in this offense? From what I saw, you know, in the early stages of, of um, OTAs and training camp, it was almost like, yeah, this 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 will be good. You know, this this looks like it's gonna it's gonna be a good fit because uh, I mean this is a pass offense it's a pass first offense and he's a receiving tight end more so than a you don't think of Irv Smith Jr. as oh man he's a he's a dominant guy on the edge you know as a blocker you think of him as is almost like he's he's another wide receiver big body wideout at the tight end position and that's what I was looking for uh, with him I thought he was gonna you know, have a, a very uh, big season with Joe Burrow and, and get on the same page pretty quickly. But, you know, hamstring issues and injuries and whatever have, have uh, curtailed that. Hopefully he's in a situation where he has the, the bye week is the, is the final piece of, uh, of allowing him to get totally healthy because, you know, hamstrings can be tricky too depending on where his pull is. If it's up high by his buttocks, those are a pain in the buttocks. If it's in the middle of his hamstring, you know, that's it's another less issue. If it's down by his knee, then that's even less of an issue, the mild hamstring. I think his is one of the other two. I think his is at least mid, maybe high. Um, but with the bye week, hopefully that's the, the final necessary time that he needs to, to get back to not having it be an issue whatsoever when he's out there trying to run full tilt. The Bengals historically have not given up draft picks to get players at the trade deadline, but history doesn't really seem to apply in the Joe Burrow era. They've done a lot of things that they did not do in the past. If you could add a tight end without giving up, say, a first three rounds draft pick, so four, five, six, or seven, would you do it? I'd have to think about it. You know, mm-hmm. I'd have to. I'd have to consider. It depends. You know, what tight end? The tight end that is available. Uh, and you know, if if it's not giving up a first, second, or third rounder, you know, wh- what's the uh, talent level of that tight end? Um, I, I at this at this point, 
I would explore every option from a personnel standpoint that there is to explore. And I know they do that. And, and um, you know, I mean, a lot of fans, ah, that's just a waste of time. That's an exercise of futility. Well, there's always going to be the occasion where somebody becomes available that you didn't think was going to be available, and you didn't do your due diligence, you didn't do your homework, and other people took advantage of it because they did, and you're sitting there saying, only if, you know, I had done a little bit more. So I think at this point, um, in burning the midnight oil, going through every possible scenario that they can think of, and now is, is, are they making phone calls and trying to initiate things? I don't think so. But I think if they, they're preparing themselves, if in fact they were to get a phone call uh, and not get caught totally by surprise by that phone call and what that phone call was going to be talked about, I mean, I think, I think you've got to get that done for the organization at least. Here are some tight end names that have been mentioned as possibly being available on the Internet. And as we know, the Internet is never wrong. Right. Zach Ertz, former Bengal, C.J. Uzama, Hunter Henry, Mike Gesicki. Henry and Gesicki are both of the Patriots. And Darren Waller has been mentioned. I think that one's a pipe dream personally. Yeah. But how about those other names? And I have no idea what the other team would want. Right. They might want to pick in the first three rounds. But of those other names, does anybody really pique your interest? You know, I mean, all of them would be somebody that I'd I'd want to take a look at and see how they're playing now, yeah. see how they're playing, you know, currently. Um, some some guys may not have as big a role. That's why they might be available um, for whatever reason. I don't know if there's many reasons that guys fall out of favor. Some of it is obviously physical. Um, they're aging or slowing down or whatever the case may be. Um, sometimes it's, it's just personality conflicts or issues that happen around the league. I mean, everybody's human, and human beings don't all, all get along all the time, and th that, that occurs as well. But, yeah, I mean, you'd have to look at what those guys are doing, what they're capable of doing when you look at them on tape and see if it fits what, what you're going to be asking your tight end to do. And like you said, it takes two to tango. I mean, you may have one value in mind, and the team that you're trying to pull the, the deal with, like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. I was thinking more along these lines, and it's like you're light years apart and can't work a deal out. All three teams in the AFC North won this week, so the Bengals are a game and a half behind Baltimore and a game behind Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I want to start with Pittsburgh. The Steelers are 28th in rushing yards, 25th in passing yards. They're averaging 17 points a game. It must be a great defense, right? They're 28th in rushing yards given up. They're 25th in passing yards allowed, exactly the same as their offense. They're giving up even more points than they're scoring, 21 points a game. How are they 4-2? Mike Tomlin, <laughs> the magician. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't that's – a, that's a hell of a question. I mean, I look at them. They're being outrushed. Uh, the efficiency of the running game is not in their favor in terms of yards per carry. I mean, it's it's like they're they're being outscored. The Bengals have been outscored by 27 points. They've been outscored, you know, as well. I, I don't, you know, Bengals have a plus five turnover ratio. Off the top of my head, I can't remember what Pittsburgh's is. I know it's plus, but I mean, they they don't. For, for, they must be winning field position battles. What what is it? I mean, it it, it is amazing that they're pulling victories out like they pull out. Every single close game, though, seems to go their way. They seem to have a, uh, a, an unbelievable confidence 
that they can finish that football game. They're going to make plays down the stretch. They're going to ultimately win them a football game. You know, when the rubber meets the road and, and, and a play has to be executed, they figure out a way to get it done. It's, it is mind-boggling. Um, Mike Tomlin and his never having a losing season record, I guess the football gods are buying it, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it really is. Uh, it's a tribute to him, really. It's a tribute to the way he gets his players to think and believe. Every player that has come here from Pittsburgh, they can't say enough good things about Mike Tomlin. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how his players – you have to have respect. And if you don't have that, you know, you have problems. But when you have love and respect, that's a, that's a, a combination that's hard to beat. And his players love him, and they totally respect him. And I don't think that there's a coach in the league that can claim – a better relationship between himself and his players. The Browns are also four and two. They got a big assist from the officials in Sunday's win yeah. over the Colts. Their four and two to me is easier to understand because at least until the Colts game, their defense had been unbelievably good. But now they've got these uh, questions with Deshaun Watson. He was checked for a concussion against the Colts. They doctors ruled him fine and said he could have gone back into the game, and they did not put him back into the game. Is that strictly because of the shoulder injury that he's been dealing with? Was it because of how poorly he was playing? Do you think they've got a major problem there? It's th- that's the biggest mystery in the league right now, mm-hmm. I think. What was he one for five, I think, in that game? One for five with yeah. an interception and another should-have-been interception that was thrown right to a guy on the Colts and he let the ball hit the ground. Yeah, and it, it wasn't – he was he was cleared medically. Um, was it his call? Was it the – organization and coaches call not to put him back in was a collaborative call it is it's a there there hasn't been any definitive word it's a mystery it really is a mystery I wonder if um you know when they watched him go one for five with the interception it's like his throwing motion just doesn't look right yet you know maybe we need to uh, even if he did pass the concussion protocol test he did get dinged uh you know maybe it's better that we we go with Walker, uh, but that is that's a that's a very interesting one right there because if they if they get consistently good quarterback play, that football team will be something serious to deal with. So it's off to San Francisco this week. The 49ers are five and one. They play on Monday night against Minnesota. Before they lost last week in the rain in Cleveland, I thought the 49ers were the best team in the NFL. Did you too? I did. I mean, <laughs> just looking at, you know, before this game tonight, uh, the game is decided on the scoreboard. They're second in the NFL in scoring. They're second in the NFL in points allowed. They've outscored the opponent by 97 mm-hmm. points in their first six football games, including, you know, that loss to Cleveland. But, I mean, they, they were putting up uh, the, the lowest uh, point total that they had scored before the, the Cleveland debacle was 30. I mean, they had scored 33 times. Scored 35 against Arizona and 42 against Dallas. And then Cleveland holds him to 17 points, and uh, Brock Purdy comes down to earth a little bit. But, I mean, his numbers are still staggering. He's, only, he's, he's got a plus-nine ratio, touchdown to interception, 10 touchdowns in the top 10. I think it's tied for eighth right now before the game. Only one interception tied for the fewest. That plus-nine ratio is the best in the league. So he's taking care of the football, and, you know, they're plus-eight, number one in the NFL in turnover ratio. I mean, 
there's not a category where they're not top five, never mind top ten. I mean, they, they to me, um, it was crazy how dominant they'd been. Now their rookie third-round draft pick kicker let them down with a 42-yard miss. Uh, they could have won that football game against Cleveland. Man, I wish he had made that bad boy. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're playing – they're playing at an extremely high level. Um, I, I just think Shanahan's running game is unbelievable, unbelievable. It's so creative, and you know they're they're, they're second in, in the league in yards per play. They're second in the NFL in rushing. Um, <laughs> they're averaging four and a half yards on like over 140 yards rushing per game, and he does it in such a creative way. I, I do think that. Uh, fortunately for the Bengals, they saw Seattle, whose run game is kind of similar to what Shanahan's doing in San Francisco. But there's, man, there's a lot of misdirection. There's a lot of motion. There's a lot of, a lot of things that uh, his whole thing is try to get linebackers and safeties' eyes distracted, you know, and and make them think a little bit too much. He's he's a hell of a coach, and he's got he's got seven players, four on offense, three on defense, that are all pro. Seven of them, not just Pro Bowlers. The Pro Bowl, you make you're the best in your conference. Then to the other level, is they select an All Pro from those con- all, all conference teams. They have seven guys that uh, have have made have made All Pro. From my count, it was uh, Trent Williams at left tackle, George Kittle at tight end, Debo Samuel. Now some of these guys, Williams has the ankle issue, Debo Samuel shoulder issue, and McCaffrey with the oblique. But that's all all. Three of those, all four of those guys, McCaffrey, Samuel, Kittle, and Williams, have all been all pro offensively, defensively, one at each level. Nick Bosa, who was Defensive Player of the Year last year, Fred Warner at, at linebacker, and Hufanga at the uh, safety position, second year player out of USC. Seven all pros? That's a, that's a, that's a roster of talent coached by a very, very creative, uh, detail-oriented football coach. Final question, and this one's critical. On Sunday, when you get into the elevator at <laughs> Levi Stadium and you're heading to the broadcast booth, if Joe Montana steps on that elevator, what do you say to him? Why? <laughs> Why, Joe? <laughs> I mean, couldn't you just give us one? <laughs> I'll tell you, I would, I would look at him and say, man, you're the best. i got to tip my cap to you and then vomit all over his shoes. <laughs> if I see Lap and Joe Montana getting on an elevator together, I'll be waiting for the next elevator. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Nobody on the Bengals roster is more familiar with the 49ers than safety Nick Scott. As a member of the Rams for the last four seasons, he faced San Francisco twice a year, and it was three times in 2021 when the Rams beat the Niners in the NFC Championship game. But here's the catch. That was the only time during Nick's four years in L.A. that the Rams beat San Francisco. The Niners won 
the other eight games. You've seen the 49ers plenty from being in that division. As media members, we think we know what mm-hmm. makes that attack so difficult to defend, all the movement and so forth, but yeah. describe it from your perspective. One of the things that the 49ers do extremely well is um, they kind of they have an identity and they play to their identity every single game. They don't switch up for anybody. Um, they kind of have the mentality of you got to play us. Um, and that's kind of what I felt and saw being in L.A. playing them twice a year. Um, and it's something that they do well. They're extremely tough. Um, they know what their quarterbacks do well, and they stick with it. Um, so it's going to be a tremendous challenge. And, you know, I, I like – you know, I like my odds a whole lot better being here with the Bengals um, just because I think our identity aligns a little bit more with, with how they like to play, and that's just tough football and um, just you know making teams feel like they got to go through us. So it's going to be a good matchup. If there are any Brock Purdy doubters still out there, I'd be surprised. He's basically got a full year now of showing uh, close to elite play. Yeah. What are your impressions of him? Like I said, he's a, he's a guy that – um, you know, credit to him and what he's done and how he came in the league and, you know, how he's taken the league by storm. And I think it's also a credit to uh, their coaches and their coaching staff, which is honing in on what he does really well and making sure that's the focal point of, of that offense. So um, it's worked out for him. Um, you know, hopefully we can just, as a defense, do the best we can to make sure he's not comfortable in the pocket um, and, and knocking balls down and making sure things are contested. Is there a position group that's most stressed by Kyle Shanahan's offense? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would I would say it's 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 top to bottom. Honestly, um, I know that, you know their run game. They like to attack those C gaps and um, you know create width and get going downhill and everything like that, which puts stress on whoever those ends or outside linebackers are. Uh, we got two great. And three, really, a lot of depth on the D-line, so it'll be a great challenge for them. Um, and then also with who they got, their skills players. McCaffrey poses a challenge for linebackers and corners and, and safeties alike, as, as well as Debo and Ayuk. So they just got a, 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 a lot of talent. But, you know, we got a lot of talent on this defense as well. We got guys that are super competitive um, and, and guys that look forward to challenges. So uh, we're going we're gonna to meet them, you know, with open arms saying bring it on. Look for a while on Sunday like you guys might get some help from the Rams and the Colts mm-hmm. against the Steelers and the uh, Browns, and obviously it didn't work out that way. Was it a bummer to see how those games finished? Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like uh, it is a little bit of a bummer, um, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we look at who's on our schedule and um, everything is in our control. You know, if we want if we want to – you know, be above the Steelers at the end of the year, we, we got an opportunity to beat them twice. If we want to, you know, uh, have a good shot at division, we got another opportunity at the Ravens and, and the Browns. So, um, yeah, I guess in, in a sense you never want to take the easy way out, but if somebody could do your dirty work for you, that would be nice every once in a while. But, you know, we, 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 we relish the opportunity to take these teams on and, and get them out the way ourselves. The first place Ravens will be in Arizona to face the 1-6 Cardinals on Sunday. The Steelers have a home game against the 5-2 Jaguars. And Cleveland has a tough road game in Seattle against the 4-2 Seahawks. The Bengals, of course, beat the Seahawks their last time out thanks to an incredible red zone performance by the defense that offset a fairly lousy outing for the offense. As Zach Taylor put it after the game, it's better to win ugly 
then lose pretty. But later that night, offensive coordinator Brian Callahan had a hard time enjoying the win. I was on my couch last night, you know, watching it on my iPad, just fuming. Like it's, you know, there's just too many. We got too many, too many good coaches, too many good players to to not play to our standard. Aside from Jamar Chase, who is on a pace to have 142 catches, that would be 30 more than T.J. Hushmanzada's team record for a single season, nobody else on offense is having a stellar year. We missed some throws. Um, we've dropped some balls. We've given up some sacks. We, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, everyone's had a, had a moment in, in the barrel, if you will, so... Uh, you know, just need overall better consistency. It allows us to score more points. I mean, we haven't haven't done as good a job as uh, I think we're capable of doing. Fortunately, Joe Burrow is no longer the Statue of Liberty that he was in the first four weeks. In his last two games, Joe completed 74% of his passes with five touchdowns, two picks, and a passer rating of 99.9. At this point, can we safely say that Burrow is back to normal? If he's not normal, he's pretty close. Um, thankfully, that's that's a good thing. Um, and, and and obviously, a handful of days off rest and should put him in a pretty good place coming out of the bye. And that was always the the hope and the the goal to get to this point where he was feeling like pretty close to normal. Um, obviously, the, the Baltimore re injury or whatever you call it has set us back a little bit, but. Um, you know, we, we found a way to fight and claw to 3-3, three and three, and hopefully now coming out of the bye, he feels like himself. The bye week should help T. Higgins' ribs, Irv Smith's hamstring, and Orlando Brown Jr.'s groin as well. As for the running game, Joe Mixon's on a pace to rush for 1,037 yards, but he's only averaging 3.8 per carry with a long run of 22 yards. We get what's blocked a lot, you know, we don't get a lot more than that. Sometimes we get our four and five yards, and, and we're okay with that most of the time, but it's it makes it hard uh, to run for a lot of yards when you run like that. It will be interesting to see if the Bengals lighten the load on Mixon and get the ball to rookie Chase Brown more after the bye. He ran a 4-4-3-40 at the Combine and is the fastest running back on the roster. Chris Evans has averaged nearly 10 yards a catch in his NFL career, and perhaps he can provide more production on swing passes out of the backfield. This much is certain. With a healthy burrow, there's no reason why the Bengals shouldn't have one of the top offenses in the NFL. They were 7th in the league in scoring last year, upgraded their offensive line, and have most of their skill position players back except for Hayden Hurst and Samaj P. Ryan. The remaining schedule includes six teams that are currently in the top 10 in the NFL in scoring. San Francisco, Buffalo, Kansas City, Jacksonville, Baltimore, and believe it or not, Indianapolis. The offense needs to improve and improve now. We're as talented as anybody in football. Um, I believe in the guys that are on our roster. I believe in the guys on offense. Um, I think we have a, an outstanding quarterback. I think we're, we're good enough to be any team in this league. And you see there's there's teams that have had moments this early part of the year. It's it's not just us. I mean there's there's team it's been hard on offense for, for some teams and um, it doesn't make it an excuse, but it just shows me that we're we're as good as anybody. We can beat anybody that we line up against to play and I have a ton of confidence in our guys to be able to do that. And we just have to correct the mistakes and stop stop doing things that, that are hurting drives and I feel very good about our ability to turn turn our turn our performance around.
Here's a quick reminder to join us for our Bengals radio shows this week. On Wednesday night from 6 to 8, we'll be at the Varsity Sports Bar and Grill in Anderson Township for the Bengals Game Plan Show. Our special guest in the first hour will be wide receiver Andre Yosivash. Then, on Friday from 2.30 to 5.30, it's the Bengals Pep Rally Show from the Wings and Rings location in Finneytown. Chase Brown is scheduled to be there for the final hour of that show. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.